welcome to another episode of Flail Forward, the podcast about game design and amateurism. I am your host for the evening, Fred, and I have with me on this fine evening, Kares uh, Nauer. Hello. And Catrice. Yes. And Cavoir. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the only energetic person here. Everybody else is like half asleep. I'm, nah. I'm, I'm trying. All right. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> I like that energy. <laughs> bring in, bring in the heat. I'm ready. Uh, Mark. Mark with and, the do or do not. <laughs> and finally, last but not least, Rob. Hey, Hey, and Mark with the 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 demonstration of no try. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, all right, so um, here we are again. (laughs) All right, so here we are. We're recording another episode. God damn it! Um, And (laughs) this week we are talking about the core loop, Um, how to design it, what it is. You cut um, out for a second. shit all right so we are talking about the core loop this week how to design it what it is how to work with it how to define it um but first we should probably explain a little bit about what the core loop is i mean i'm assuming most people can give a get a basic understanding of it just from the name but might be a good idea for us to elucidate what we think that really means so we know what we're talking about so I agree. I will. Uh, I will put uh, it out to put it out to the people. What the hell is the core loop? It is the the basic pattern of interaction between players. Yeah, it's um, a fundamental cycle of action, reward, and uh, build or like expand that exists in the game. Yeah, I would say it's the fundamental action loop, the what what the players are going to be doing the most of. Um, generally yeah. speaking, there's a reward incentive in the middle somewhere. Like the central premise of what it is you're going to be doing and the the main actually the key word there is loop because you keep doing it. You go from one step to the next and pro- all the way back to the start again, then you repeat it. Hmm. And I think I think the important part of the loop is that there's a sense of progression that's being built in it. Like it's almost almost like a spiral because I think if it were really just cyclical and it stayed at the same level, then there's no um, incentive to drive it forward. But once you have sort of you uh, take an action. Like you kill a monster, you get experience, you level up, and then now you can kill bigger monsters. And that sense of progression is what drives the direction of your uh, loop. Colin, I think not, it's worth not uh, always it, required, but usually it, it's worth mentioning here that we want to distinguish really early on the difference between a core loop and a core mechanic, because this is something that could be confusing. Because the the core mechanic of your game is you, how you resolve conflict, and the core loop is the thing you're resolving conflict to get through. 
-hmm. And it, it's important to, to so, so for example, let's take the most the most common example, the in Dungeons and Dragons, the D20 roll is the core mechanic. You are using that to resolve any and all action um, that requires the roll. And the but the core loop is exactly what you mentioned. The go out, do things, generally kill monsters and acquire treasure to get better at killing monsters and acquiring treasure of a grander scale and scope and all that until you're killing gods, which is that's yeah. the logical endpoint of that, I guess. <laughs> I, I think the most basic version I've ever seen of it was described about the original Diablo game, which was just mm -hmm. kill, reward. That's right. how it was. It was a two-step loop. It just went in a circle. You killed stuff. You got either experience or items or whatever, and that made it so that you could kill more stuff. And it was pretty straightforward. But basically, that means that each of those steps is essentially a bundle of individual mechanics. So the core loop includes mechanics within it. it the core loop, the core loop is a dynamic. It has yeah. multiple mechanics feeding into it that yeah, uh, are balance against each other or, or counterbalance each other. Um, and it drives the play forward. Hopefully if it's doing its job, it's driving the play forward. Um, it's also probably worth it to mention the difference between um, an explicit core loop and something that's like more implicit or, or maybe not even considered. Um, mm -hmm. Like uh, a good example of a really explicit core loop is is Blades in the Dark has heists downtime, and it goes, it just does that. It's very straightforward in its in its approach. It's like here you're on a heist, you're doing either some gathering information before the heist or in the middle of the action of the heist. And then when it's done, you do a downtime thing and then yeah. downtime things happen and then it seeds a new heist. And then. Yeah. They technically have an explicit on their, like one, they're very explicit, which we will talk about later, but they, on their explicit thing, they have a free time thing between downtime and the heist and gathering information. But like, they do have a free play step stage but that is generally sk mm -hmm. skimmed over and it's usually the shortest right well right. let's put it this way a, a core mechanic is something the players do the core mm -hmm. loop is the thing that leads them through the step playing the game like it's it's the it's the dance of you know mm -hmm. progressing the story forward Rather than an individual like dance move, which would be a core mechanic. I think another important thing to cover immediately as well is we're talking core loop, not just everything in the game. Like you you're not gonna be describing like dozens of different mechanics at the same time. You're basically trying to compress everything down to just what is the most fundamental aspect of what the game is about or the story or whatever that it's built around. And it's actually, your core loop is probably going to be very simple. It's probably not going to have a lot to it. Well, you'd be surprised. The, the Sometimes. Core loop at I least said has, probably. Well, the core loop has <laughs> to address all the main types of 
player tasks like <clears throat> like in broad mm. terms so like it, yeah i was gonna okay it would be like roll a check that's a decent component of a core loop but like save like roll save versus poison is not doesn't belong in a core loop because it's too specific yeah i don't okay. even think i didn't include roll a check on a core loop uh yeah i could see a place to roll a check but that's all you would be describing it as is like when the fiction prompts you this is when you roll and yeah i mean something um, very vague and abstract like that yeah yeah I think that um, to uh, give an example of something where that sort of works is Ryutama, which has the, I'm trying to remember what the hell it's called. It's like the travel check or something, which you do at the start of every day, which is part of that, really part of the core loop of that game. Um, and I would say that that is a distinct uh, like action in that core loop. But right, yeah, right. in general, that's that's not something that necessarily works. It's generally a, a larger Yeah, I, I would... I, Right, right. I mean, so, and then, and then the other, the other kind that's that's less explicit is the like the D and D core loop, which is never really defined explicitly within the context of its pages. Like, people know what it is because hmm. the incentive structure is there, and the advancement structure is there, but what you do with it is actually sort of o an open question. Um, there's a lot of assumptions people have about the core loop in D&D that I think can, that they're right to make, but are probably not intended. There's also a lot of things that are projected into the D&D core loop that are not actually there. Right. Or any other game that, that, that leaves it vague like that. Um, and there's a number like it's that, that's just the most, that's going to be the, the biggest example, but like, mm -hmm. mo I would say most, most fantasy RPGs don't ever explicitly address their core loop. I'd say most RPGs don't explicitly yeah. address their core loop, at yeah. least of the ones that I've read. Um, you know, cool. no, notable exceptions being with a few things, but most yeah. are are ill-defined like, if defined at all. Just like acknowledging the value of the narrative is a modern thing in game design, so is like conscious awareness of the core loop. Right. Well, yeah. So then you've got, and that when that is as we, as we evolve and we learn what we need to address. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it's such, because it's such a young medium too, there hasn't really been that much study like about it. It's just starting like in the last decade or so people have started to look at it as, as an academic medium like dissecting it and trying to figure out how it works um and we're just you know it the theory is still being formed kind of so like this idea of a core loop the core loop idea really comes from video game design because you have to have a core loop in a video game because otherwise it the program won't run so there well, has to be that a was thing. video video games is where the core loop was first identified because it's more critical to that production pipeline and it yes. was then like retrofitted back to tabletop where it's less obvious right right but i think it's just it's just worth it to acknowledge where it came from and how how we sort of 
came to notice it in tabletop because in a in a tabletop board game where the rules are very confined you you have a very obvious core loop um and because it's it's usually just steps that you take you know roll dice move spaces draw a card next player like for the very simple ones you know monopoly um but when you have something that's that's that that i mean that really only works like a game but it has a different goal in mind it's really hard to define the core loop because it it's not obvious that there is one because it keeps going yeah but you know identifying that uptime downtime thing i think that was that was fairly useful did, was i know i know blaze in the dark was not the first game to do that but they did they anyone know of a game earlier than that that really put a button on it like that oh i mean God. there I'm, must have been right i just can't think of one at the moment thinking of like there's some softer ones like uh apocalypse world itself has yeah uh very has very key stages but it's somewhat softer and more and more mc facing than well, boys in the darks very okay these are the steps mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, i can't think of anything that very explicitly stated it like i think you could point to like old versions of shadow run as having a fairly well-defined implicit core loop but mm, they yeah, never explicitly stated it it was just kind of stated that you you do like your research and uh you know figure out what you're going to do and then you try to actually do your heist or whatever and and then everything goes to hell right <laughs> i wish um i didn't know i'd be referencing Maria thomas so much this episode because i would have grabbed the book um but if i remember correctly uh Ryu Tama does have a it's not as defined as Blades in the Dark, but it does have a more defined loop because it's all based around the travel. So it's like, okay, you, you know, you get up and you make your. Um, I'm gonna butcher everything, so I'm sorry for anybody who knows what I'm what this actually is. But you get up and you make your travel check, and then you do your traveling, and then you, you know, you fight the monsters, and then you get ready, you know, to rest, and then you rest, and then you do it again. Um, yeah. And it's not uh, as explicit as Blaze in the Dark, but yes. I'm not sure how universal this is, but Double Cross and a few other things, uh, Japanese design ones that I know of, vaguely, I haven't actually run any of them, tend to have more defined core loops. Uh, I know the version of Double Cross I have read as an explicit one, but I think it might be somewhat younger. It might even be younger than Blades in the Dark, because it is a fairly recent edition. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure on that because I, as I said, I haven't even read any of them, but I don't actually look at that. I just been through, looked at a few weird games, a few things, and I noticed something of that pattern, but I'm not sure how true it is. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of if I could remember one I played before Blades in the Dark that had an explicit core loop like that. Um, 
I can't think of one that I played. I mean, now they're kind of everywhere, but yeah. I mean, oh. I'm sure there were. Oh, actually, no. I do remember one that had a sort of explicit core loop, but it was weird and broad. Okay, so there's a game called Fireborn that was released by uh, Fantasy Flight Games in the like early 2000s, I want to say, and that game was i never actually ran it uh i mean i'd still like to but it looks kind of clunky but that doesn't matter the point is is you were a dragon in that game and you are also in ancient mythological times and then you are also the the half or somewhat human scion of the dragon in modern times and there was a core loop of going and doing something as a modern human and sort of recovering a part of your draconic past that you then play through. And then that makes you stronger in the modern day. And then you do bigger things and that you remember more of your dragonhood and all that stuff. So there was like a very strongly implied one, although I, I don't think it called it a core loop. I don't think it said like, this is, this is you go, but, but it was a very like back and forth type thing. That was the first, that's the first recollection I have of one reading one. That was like sort of explicit about like a a back and forth game mode change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, yeah. I guess it's um. Although I mean, uh, RPGs have always had a a core loop to a certain mm -hmm. extent, though. I suppose we haven't um. We had no, they'd never been fully defined, and I'm sure they were, you know, Blaze in the Dark has a quite defined one. I think most of them, even in more modern games, are a little bit more loose. Mm -hmm. um, but, well, now, okay. So we've been talking about this a bit. So let's go into, now we've been talking about explicit and obscured um, and games that have it. Let's talk about kind of the pros and cons of that and how to implement either um how Maybe to we should uh, be uh, slightly more clear because we didn't we have the topic but we we just kind of naturally flew into it so maybe we should say what we mean by explicit versus obscured versus not considered which is also there because we haven't talked a lot about not considered and what that means in our notes i'm going to assume is that like uh, basically, they put a whole bunch of things, are the games that put a whole bunch of things in the world and then just said, okay, have fun. <laughs> right. I would say pretty much any game published before 2005 has an unconsidered core loop. Like, the designers know the progression of what the players are supposed to do next and next and next, but it's, they're not, they weren't con consciously aware of that as a thing that we now call the core loop. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Like there, I'm, I feel I'm not, like there are definitely yeah. some games I've read where they just didn't even consider it. They're like, okay, we're, I'm going to give you this neat setting and da-da-da, and here are mechanics, and uh, how that fits together is up to you, basically. Yeah, I, I think it would be... I don't think it's a really good uh, split in between, like just because they didn't know how to put it into words and such. 
but that they weren't thinking about it at all. Like, they may not have been thinking about it in the way that we do now, but I'm pretty well, sure... Yeah, they, they were, were definitely... thinking about it. They were thinking about it. They just didn't think about it as a thing. They could thought about it as the individual steps. They thought of it as the chain of invoking different core mechanics rather than as, you know... The, hmm. the loop of them as its own, you know, design concept. I suppose. Even so, that that's still a lot different by a very large scale from, like, games that don't even consider it at all. Like, they didn't even put thought into what the players are going to end up actually doing in the game. Yeah. There's, I, there's a I lot of games that do that. Yeah. Though actually, the one of the ones that comes to mind for me, where it was very, where it was, if not obvious from the core rulebook, what kind of things the players are supposed to be doing, is Warhammer Fantasy. Oh because... yeah, like <laughs> I, I read worse, but Warhammer Fantasy is. Uh, we gave you a method to generate PC, so uh, what's so what you have to do is figure out what, how the hell these four people are together and dying. Right, right. It's like here's here's a rat catcher, a burgermeister, uh, a barber surgeon, and a high elf envoy, and they're all together and doing a thing. And you're like, what? What? I, I'm not sure what. Like, you want me to do with this thing? I mean, but like the adventures came out, and it's like, oh, okay, we're playing Call of Cthulhu, but it's it's medieval flavored. I got it, but but. <laughs> <laughs> But beside, like, without those adventures to like delineate designer intent, I don't know. I, you know, at, read it like I said, reading the core book, like it's not obvious, like what we're supposed to do with these things. Yeah, I kind of found that with uh, Anima Beyond Fantasy as well. Like, I, I like oh, yeah. Anima, but very blatantly, its book is horrible, and it's like, okay, like very first thing that in the book like i actually just pulled up my pdf copy of it and it's like what is a character and it's like characteristics and race and all these other things it never actually says anything about what you're supposed to do in the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's definitely a problem like it just that, yeah. assumes that once you have a character you know what to do with the character it, mm -hmm never does cover it ever <laughs> yeah well yeah. you um you anima and beyond fantasy you know yeah mm -hmm. it's like even right <laughs> it's not even like just to the point of like well you do rpg things and it's like well do you what are go those? on adventures do you have like a base is there a plot line like I, they I have a that... setting but they don't ever actually explain <laughs> what the purpose of the setting is for there's like a lot of really weird gaps to it uh, i'm gonna say uh this is just a guess it because it's been a real long time since i read anima but the impression i got from anima is the designer intent was that it seemed very much designed around the Game Master has a plot in mind, <laughs> and you're making characters for that plot, but that could be me com talking completely out of my ass. 
No, I think that's the idea. Yeah, I think it, that it was the idea. Is like you want to you want to recreate an anime, and here's the game to do it. Yeah, it it doesn't ever say it though. Like yeah. I, I, what, in the book, does it actually imply what? Or it doesn't even. It's like it doesn't just not state it. It doesn't even imply what you're supposed to be making these characters for. Like the entire book is just building characters. There is nothing about actually doing things like they have different races and different classes and such but there's no explanation for why they exist or what you're supposed to do with them it's really weird so is it accurate to say then that anima is all game set up and no actual game i think that's probably true I don't know. Like I'd say that like part of the game setup would be implying what you're supposed to be setting up to do. Uh, so here's a confession, and it took me way too long to re- to realize. Like every once in a while, when I have to remind myself, when Catrice is talking about Anima, for some reason I think about that one RPG where you're playing a wizard and their entourage instead of the one oh. she's talking about. Ars Magica. Yeah, I don't know oh, why no. my brain mentally replaces oh. it with that. That that's a that's a really good point. That one does have a core loop. That one has the the seasonal loop. When did that come out? That was like early two thousands, right? Like like no, late nineties. Uh, ours maybe? is from like no, ours 90s? is pretty old. It's like late eighties really? because it's Ooh. it's the precursor to World of Darkness. World of Darkness, yeah, I know that. Uh, yeah, 87. 1987. Yep. But which version actually introduced that? Was it the original first or was one. it just more modern ones? No, the okay. first one. It was it was always troop-based play where you were playing a wizard and then you had these guys called grogs that were that were um basically henchmen. Okay. I've only seen like fifth edition and I didn't read through all of it. I only picked it up so that I could look through the yeah. magic section. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. It's a it's a cool game to be familiar with as a game designer because it's it's it, it it did a lot of things like pretty interesting. Yeah, before its time, yeah, it was it was quite revolutionary. Like it, it had a, it had a free form magic system. Um, it had troop level play. It had uh, it was set in a mythic Europe that was basically the twelfth and thirteenth centuries. Like. Um, yeah, and there was there was a play loop of you you were a magus and you would do a thing. Like magus things like took a long time to do because it was like experiments and research and or designing a spell or something like that. And you would go and do things as like one magus while he was not working on that stuff and then would take some grogs with him that were the other characters and then while their magi were like away doing research stuff and then they'd get something at the end of that and then they'd play one of their wizards. And so that was the, the adventures were more explicit because they, although now I think about it, I don't know when they, when would they, I don't know if they ever defined like defined a core loop. They just like had one, you know, like, I'm not sure. Cause I haven't read first edition. I've only read third. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I've read, I, I never read the first edition either, but I do know it, it introduced all the, all the concepts yeah, it, that were key to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, in first edition, they very explicitly had a rotating DM. I'm not sure how much that got carried over, but 
Yeah. Mm. Which is another neat concept, but not currently um, relevant. Yeah, no. I don't think fifth edition didn't really. I don't remember reading about that in fifth edition, but yeah. yeah. All right, so um, have we now co covered all of the stuff we want to say about explicit, obscured, and not considered in terms of definition? Have we defined them well? For, I think so. for now, we'll probably come back to this by accident. Oh, I'm it's sure. Really well, it's really a major thing when we're talking about this, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm hoping now to move us to my uh, my section earlier, which is um, how do we implement those, and what is you know what is best for what type of game? What are the pros and cons? Um, and I guess that ties into like at what point in your design are you starting to consider the core loop? The first thing mm -hmm. that you're designing, or do you design around concept or feeling, and then your core loop fills in around it. I think that's generally the better way to do it. I think it's easier to do. I mean, you can you can always do a core loop first and then graft a theme onto it, but I think it's 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 harder to do because there might be parts parts of your core loop which don't suit the theme, and then they they're going to feel tacked on to whoever plays it. It's like, why is this here? It doesn't really fit. Although so I think it's easier to start with a theme. Well, something maybe. I will say now is. Uh, Corda Loop should still be fairly high on the agenda. It shouldn't be the third, it shouldn't be the eighth thing. It should be like the second thing, is where I feel. You would hope, but yeah, like, I feel like Corda Loops sometimes get discovered in the course of yeah. designing the game, too. <laughs> yeah, but... exactly. So, like, yeah, I think I think you have to design like at a low level for a while. Like, obviously, start with your goals and your theme and your tone. But once you start, you have to go through some actual design effort first to realize how your core loop is evolving out of that. And once you once you can see it, once once it becomes tangible, then you can start designing to it. Yeah. But it it's Rob's right. It's 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 not something that you can start with. You can if you're good. I th I think I think like if, I think really experienced game designers probably could. But yeah, that's speaking, true. Uh, us but like for the wait, rest of us games, mortals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we theme theme is easier, and a lot of game designers start with theme too. Like that's that's a perfectly reasonable place to start. I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a really good like default place to start it really you can start from anywhere and work towards the other it's just you're, you're there's going to be pros and cons of doing so so i guess what are the pros of starting with your core loop um knowing what your what mechanics you need is probably a pretty good one right there because you know like oh the, <laughs> the players have to be able to interact with these parts okay right mm -hmm. yeah the players um, Players yeah. have to be able to adventure, and then they have to be able to sleep, and then they have to be able to do the cook or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it yeah. knowing the core loop up front immediately tells you where the decision points are in the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have that. 
<laughs> like which is which is a large part of why starting with the core loop is difficult or the core loop kind of comes into being as you work on other stuff mm -hmm. because yeah. doing that other stuff establishes the decision points and then you can see how they fit together and that's that's the genesis of your core loop to a degree like you can determine a lot of the decision points just by setting out your goals and then once you see them it's like oh well there's the core loop it, it's just a natural extension of what you came up with as your goals sometimes not always yeah, sometimes your goal, the goals are experiential and have nothing to do with the core loop until you need to deliver the experience and then you need the core loop. But the, the you, can you can have a goal of what the core loop is supposed to do without having designed it yet. In fact, you probably should. You probably shouldn't design it if you don't know what you're, you want out of it. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. I'll confess, I did not actually design my core loop. I stumbled across it by accident and was like, oh, well, I, I, I guess that's what it is. It, it makes sense, but this mm -hmm. was not something I was aiming for. It's just what it is. Yeah. I, I, I also did that, and, re and then I had to rewrite my game twice. <laughs> so. Yeah, strangely yeah. enough, I didn't have to rewrite it. it. It worked with what I was already working towards, but it was more luck well. than intent on that case we, yeah which might get to my point where reorganization which kind of gets, still. Which gets to my point where the for for most designers doing most games the core loop will be emergent yeah yeah i mean for me uh, working on wanderlust i kind of i kind of knew what my core loop was going to be from the start it was something mm -hmm. i mostly started with because i kind you know it and i it's not like incredibly explicit but i knew it's like okay you're going to be searching for something and then you're going to be traveling and then you're going to be you know uh, trying to fulfill your needs and traveling trying to fill your needs and traveling right. and so and but that was something that i kind of came into it knowing this is how i want it to go because this is the the way that these stories are already structured um right. And so I had that um, that structure from reading, uh, you know, uh, literature of the uh, American hobo and stuff like that, that made that structure easy to come by. And that made right, that, right. you know, inherent to how you tell the story. Right, which means your core loop was, in actuality, an alternative phrasing of your theme. In a way. Yeah, it was it was yeah. very much a a core part of the theme. In fact, you can't you can't pretty much you can't do that theme without a core loop like, you know, without that core loop or a very similar one. Right. Um, Actually, you know what? I want to talk about an extremely explicit core loop that that he's, he's not here to talk about. Jonathan's game cut to the chase is <laughs> so core loopy that it, it like the, the character sheet is literally a loop. I mean, like there's a little arrows on it, like here's where you go next, and it's the end. But it's it's very explicit. It's a you go, I go, two player game that it, it specifies 
not only its loop, but what is happening at each stage almost. And it's so tight and yet it's open enough for interpretation that you can still have a game with it. You can still have a different experience every time you play it, but there's a, there's an yeah, there's even a, yeah, there's even an explicit number of rounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it almost a board game because there's an explicit end and there's an explicit victor and vanquished. Uh, but that actually um, does match with my personal experience. Like when I was working like video games and such and especially phone games, like usually the the core loop was in the initial concept. Like sure. even when just very starting out the, the game design document from the very start, like the core loop was already pretty much established. Like if you didn't have that, you didn't have a game. Right. And it was and I think it's the smaller and tighter a game is, like the the more narrow what it's trying to accomplish is, uh, the more obvious the core loop becomes at a much earlier stage. Like if you have a more complicated game, like you're doing something that's very broad in scope there's like a lot of things that you have to take into consideration it's like you may not actually know where your core loop is but when you have something where like jonathan's game he knows it's about a chase and because of that it, everything is centered on that it's it kind of has to be very tight and uh you know structured around that so it it naturally would flow that way though i think he did like a much better job than most people who try to do that it's it's interesting that you mentioned that for like commercial games that your core loop is so prominent and central at the beginning because i i think it's part of the selling aspect like and and maybe rpgs are way more loosey-goosey with it because a lot of it is like it's not a very heavily commercialized um game space but i think for things like mobile apps and board games i think it's probably way more critical to define what your core loop is at the beginning because that's sort of a selling feature why people come back to your game and why they would invest more in i think there's a few reasons for it i think car is going to like the fact that i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that RPGs are less about the gameplay and more about telling a story because you can have lousy game mechanics and still enjoy your game if it's an right. RPG. If you have a phone game and the only thing it does is you press like the screen in three different spots at different times you had better be really, really meticulous about when you press those three buttons, basically. Mm -hmm. hey, yeah, well, <clears throat> the re I think the reason why that is is because any electronic game is pretty much by definition limited by the types of player input it can handle, whereas yeah, a tabletop RPG is absolutely not. Yeah, like well, that is one of the biggest difference between video games and RPGs is 
you have a human mind behind a tabletop game. You can actually change things because you have a GM or distributed uh, GMing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say, scene. technically speaking, we are still we are still confined by the same media, by the same constraints. It's just a human has a very different set of constraints, and <laughs> and that is the reason why uh, there are essentially uh, it it is a different. Oh God, what was I going to say? That's the reason why having a lot of dumb math in your RPG is all <laughs> is a lot larger of a sin than having a lot of dumb math in your <laughs> in, in your video game, game. <laughs> right? Because yeah. you're forcing somebody to do it, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And there's a few other things that it does actually. Like it's not. I uh, don't treat it. Uh, I was just objecting to a statement that. A human is infallible and can do everything is not actually true. There are some things that computers do better. Huh? I definitely didn't say that. I just said that humans are able to be more... They can handle vague and abstract concepts much better. Like, you can yes. ask a human player, okay, what do you do next? And they can come up with any random crap, and mm -hmm. you can actually react to that. Computer is limited to a set number of choices that are yeah. pre-programmed into it. it. You can't just ask a open-ended question like that and expect it to be able to handle it. Yeah, uh, yeah you're not going to pick up the coffee pot and swing it at somebody if the coffee pot is not implemented as a interactive object. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Whereas if you're in like an RPG, you can just be like, I'm not even going to swing like the coffee pot. I'm going to hold the coffee pot horizontally, open the lid, and try to spray coffee across like the three people in front of me. I'm going to aim for like their faces. Uh huh. All right. Damn. Like I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold the power plug and just swing the coffee pot in front of me, <laughs> <laughs> like a flail. Roll your flail yeah. skill. To flail forward. Uh, uh roll uh, credits. Oh. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. I, I, I kind of halfway want us to edit that out, but I mean... We Fuck, I'm not editing that out. Are you kidding me? Just how bad this is? Whose <laughs> 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 truck was that? Uh, oh, well. The motorcycle? Yes. Yeah, that was me. Sorry. It's fine. Rob, you're riding a motorcycle? Uh, no, but there one just drove by the house. Oh, why aren't you riding a motorcycle, Rob? What the fuck? Uh, it would be irresponsible of me to ride a motorcycle while podcasting, probably. It'd be irresponsible <laughs> to ride a motorcycle indoors? Two. Meh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's find the core loop of this episode again. Um, I don't good. have one. I, it, it's the it's we what, what here's the it's, core loop of the episode. We talk about the core loop, and then we stop talking about the core loop for a second, and then somebody brings us back to the core loop. No, it's yeah, it's I ask a question, you guys start answering that question, and then you go right into the weeds. Yep, just the core loop of every episode, really. I mean, yeah. it's worked for us well so far. Much. <laughs> 
Well, okay, sure. The Everest is nice this effective season. Effective, and it uh-huh. involves you know entertaining discussions. So, yeah, sometimes. Um, okay, sometimes very it's loose ep- definitions of entertaining, but sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, so uh, there was something I think that we can try and sum up all this stuff we've been saying. Which, and I might be wrong here, so feel free to object to what I'm saying. But I think that we're sort of saying that explicit core loops work well for something like Jonathan's Game or Blades in the Dark when you have a very specific idea about what players do. You know, players go on a chase or they do heists. Um, But a more uh, uh, ill-defined core loop, you know, open-ended core loop. Um, works broad, works better for games wherein players can do a bunch of different shit. Um, where you know the it's kind of open to all right, you have a character, um, you can kind of go out and do whatever it is you want to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um, so, and there's probably yeah. still a core loop inherent in there, there's probably still somewhat of a core loop in there. But it is it is malleable, and you know things things change, and um, depending sorry, on what you you're doing. Friday. Well, yeah, there's always a core loop present. The, the yeah. question is a whether the designer's aware of it. B, um, whether the designer has tailored the experience with it in mind, because. Being aware of a core loop lets you make really a more cohesive game. Like whether it's tight or loose. It doesn't necessarily mean that you actually make use of it. (laughs) That's why I said lets you make a more cohesive game instead of forces you to make a more cohesive game. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an important distinction, I think, to actually stress. Yeah, but but the, so last Friday we we I was trying I was actually doing this I was trying to work on the the core loop of my game uh, specifically, um, and it is the sort of open ended thing. But I needed to figure out at what point the players interact with it versus when the guide interacts with it, and I want the players to interact with way more of the core loop than they do in most games, which is you know including you know, author, almost authoring the adventures as, as they move through them. And it's been really tricky, but it's, it's kind of working, I think so far, but it's, it's hard to design because so much of it touches so much of the rest of it that Mm -hmm. it's, I, it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm telling, like, I, I have to encompass all the things my game does in this one bigger core loop and it's more complicated than i thought it was gonna be so don't do what i did kids (laughs) (laughs) well okay complexity aside yeah like complexity can kind of in some ways often slough off into the shadows where you don't like it's not like complexity isn't inherently burdensome, right? No, so, but in designing it like, is. 
yeah, designing it is because you have to be aware of all the moving parts. But in play, the core oh, no. in yeah. play, the players aren't like constantly, you know, fussing over where are we in the core loop because that's just that's the definite almost the definition of not immersive. Right. Right. Um, so like the core loop needs to be kind of automatic. Ideally, yeah, it needs to be automatic. Mm-hmm. Like you should just automatically go intuitively from stage to the yeah. next without having mm-hmm. to think about it. It's just something that happens. Yeah, the the player should be able to assume the core loop based on the rest of the design. So, yeah. I think what's important then with that aspect is sort of like if you break down the core loop to sort of a action reward and like. Uh, feedback action yeah. action feedback. Yeah, feedback that's a good one um then what you're saying is that what is intrinsic is the reward like what people want is to achieve that reward and that's what allows them to move forward and uh, i think they actually want feedback i think i think the positive or negative content i i, I think i think the valence is the same basically when regardless of whether they just want something to happen most of the time, like, yes, it's better if it's positive, but generally speaking, like if like the monsters showing up is not a negative thing. You know, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things is just that in general, people want their actions to have consequences. Yeah, like if you do something and nothing changes, then it's like, well, why did I even do this? Right. It's like people would rather there be a negative consequence to their actions, but at least they change something. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing quite hurts yeah. so much as I, like not, I, I, not I, having an effect. Yeah. Or being ignored. I think, yeah. I think defining like the basics of a core loop as what are we saying? Um, there was reward. And what was the first part? Action feedback. Action and feedback. Right, because that's okay. That's, that's better. The, so, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking the the ultimate basic feedback or core loop is prompt and response. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple one, but it's something that has been around since at least the Baroque era in music. Greek tragedy. I mean. Basically, yeah, right? The chorus is, is a response. Yeah. Well, even look at a, a board game like chess. Like, every move, like, the prompt is, what is your next move? So you do mm-hmm. that, and that prompts the next move. So every response is also a prompt. Like, the core loop of chess is the players alternate moving their pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what it, that's what it is. It's until until a victor is decided. Yeah. So, well, where does that leave us then? I mean, because now we've done. If, here's the simplest piece. It's it's prompt response. Uh, okay, good. How do we how how is that useful? Um, how do you design your prompts? Then I guess is what's really a bunch of what game design is. Yeah, like what. What does your prompt look like? How do you, when do you prompt? 
and then what can result. If you well, fill those two buckets, yeah. you've got a game. Yeah. Yeah. Design the prompts and design the responses. Yeah. Or at least applicable responses. Yes, a set, a set of responses. Yeah. Ideally you want you want choice there because that is you're gonna be your decision point, right? Like you wanna have you wanna have decision points at that moment where you have where the prompt has been given and then you want meaningful choice. Uh you know, I, I would say probably at least between two things, if not more. Um, yeah, three three to five usually is good. But if you don't be, yeah. have choice, then it's like you're not even really playing the game you're just going through it on autopilot it's like right okay and then it's your turn and you attack and um you do this damage i mean we could just skip you don't actually need to be here for this like we can just have like the gm play your character because right. i mean your character isn't going to do anything different than they do every time so that's kind of a major problem if you actually start thinking about it and it's like, wait, so I don't actually need to be here to play the game, meaning I'm not actually playing the game. I I, I think that's a rare problem. Uh, well, it's I'm not, not sure. Unfortunately, okay. it's really common. Like in a lot just, of games, especially their combat, it, it's usually in combat. It winds up being very if they streamline it too much like they oversimplify it it is a very common problem to run into that hmm. uh, actually you'll find it in almost all rules like games because they don't have any choices to make uh, okay i guess i should probably say something at this point yes uh so the game where like the only combat action is to attack. Uh, chances are, what you're supposed to be doing is the the important thing is when you choose to initiate combat for starters, and you shouldn't feel locked to just because combat is hard to only do combat things. In my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I didn't mean it in the sense of like a lot of story games and such. I meant it more in the sense of like. You get like a lot of like a two-page RPG that claims to be rules light, and it's basically here's how you kill monsters, and that's like all it is. And then it's just like a list of classes, and here's like a an attack you can do, and that's it. And there's a lot of games like that. There are like thousands of them. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. so we're um, coming up on an hour here. So I think at this point, I will ask if anybody has any um, last remarks, anything that they think we missed in the stuff we covered as of now. So, um, if... not at this point. I mean, we. It's not, it's not actually that complicated the topic. Uh, it's, 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 you know, should your game have one? It does. Whether you, you know, it's fucking you going to, 
yeah, whether you acknowledge it or not, it has one. You better know what it is. Um, you should know how it works. Once you get once you get your game to a certain point, you should be able to figure out what your loop is. What are the players going to be doing? Um, you need to figure out uh, what the pace of your game is too, because like how often you go between the core loop and uh, or between stages of the core loop, I should say. Like you know, is is downtime happening? Once a session, three or four times a session, like that, that makes a difference. Uh, but yeah, the prompt and response is the main thing. And once you figure out what your prompts look like, and once uh, uh, you figure out what the responses can be, what your list of responses is, and, and if those encompass all the things that you want your game to do, then you're done. Mm -hmm. Good job. You designed a game. <laughs> uh does anybody else have any last minute thoughts um last jabs they want to take can we be at can they be at at specific games um only if it's funny yeah uh i feel i feel like like most of the world of darkness games did not have any idea of what their core loop was supposed to be I feel like that's also correct. Uh, although they definitely have some. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Holy that shit! Was that oh, was dog. That was dog. I think I have to agree with that, though. Like, that's not really what they were setting out for as the point of them. Like, generally, they set it up as here's a whole bunch of fiction we wrote about this, like, setting and this concept, and. I suppose you can play in it if you want. We'll add some abilities so you can, but it's... yeah, we'll give we'll give you the abilities to to make one of these monsters. So, uh, and then you can um, live a life, live some type of uh, emotionally yeah. fraught like existence. <laughs> yeah, except that's never what happened in my games of Empire that I played in. It was always no. like blood powered super heroics. Which is oh, uh, that's not what happened with me. But uh, there's definitely a core loop that it wants you to do, which is uh, it's definitely okay. How what the hell went wrong this week, and how are we gonna bail? How are we gonna throw enough water at the sinking ship so that we don't die? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Although, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that, that's. I, I will say for Vampire in particular, it it very specifically usually boils down to what has somebody screwed up politically and how do you cover for their mistakes so nobody notices. Also, how are you going to eat today? Because uh you're kind of, <laughs> because how yeah, well how is whoever's hungry going to eat today without causing major problems? It's frequently a problem in vampire. I don't think it's a problem right. in another world, the darkness game. But yeah. Anyway. Now that we're getting deep into the mechanics of vampire, I think we're going to call this an episode. Um, oh, this is <laughs> mechanics of vampire. Uh, but yes, I know I, what you mean. I, we've gotten deeper than we need to in vampire. Um, but anyway. I mean, we just described um, like three quarters of the game. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you know, the new edition actually more explicitly, uh, explicitly enumerates 
like the uptime downtime of the like the hunt is a separate like phase almost it does you do something different in it oh, now. It's like a, it's a it's a mechanized phase and like hunger you don't track individual points but you do track like hunger at the end of the scene so like the more stuff you do in a scene like the hungrier you are at the end the more you need to hunt so it's actually a uptime doing stuff in a scene and then downtime is the hunt and whatever bad things result from the hunt so that it's, it's more it's much more a play loop an explicit play loop this time around that oh, me. has been uh, yeah all right yeah so anyway um we will be calling this an episode um fucking a. so fucking a thank you all for listening we have been fell forward um i have been fred and tonight i had karis Naur, patrice cavoir mark and rob with me um yeah. Mark uh, and Mark. Mark's important. Shit, here. did I did I not say Mark? I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. Uh Mark, I only said him because he's the most important. Uh obviously he wouldn't want to be just with the rest of us filth. Right. Good <laughs> <It, it's> save. <laughs> thank you. I try. Um, but anyway, uh thank you all for listening. Um find us on social media. We're on all of them as flail forward. Right, Rob? Yep. I actually uh, monitor know. that account, so you know, say hi. Mm-hmm. Yep, come say hi, Rob. Rob will yeah, talk. I, I, will, I will. I will promise to be uh, way less. Uh, 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 what? Less hostile. Uh, hostile? Am I hostile? <laughs> no. <laughs> like as soon as somebody messages you, hey, Flail Force, I have a question. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Fuck you. You're wrong. Get out. It's like you're, you're on the actual show yourself. <laughs> it's yeah. like you're on the actual wrong. podcast. <laughs> wrong. Wrong. Oh, dear. Uh, but anyway, yep. Check us out on social media. Uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. And uh, good night. Good night. Good night. We love you. Fuck, I don't know about all that, but okay. Why not? <laughs> That's um. kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know. Why is that weird? Normal for us? It's right in our wheelhouse. I'm being weird, right? I guess. Yes, that is true. Um. Anyway, good night, listener. <laughs> <laughs>